0: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, again, it is great to be with you this morning. And uh, for anyone that perhaps slipped in during the course of the worship now, uh, my name is Jason. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and it's lovely uh, to be able to launch us together um, into this new series that we are doing out of the Gospel of Mark uh, that I've entitled, Who is Jesus? Adventures at Sea. Uh, and I trust that this is going to be great for us as a church to go through uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I've this Adventures at Sea because it's taken from one of the accounts in Mark, uh, which uh, if you'd like to go to, uh, perhaps at this time, if you've got your Bibles uh, or if you want to open it up as an app on your phone or however you have your Bible with you, it's Mark chapter 4 going to read from verse 35. And we have this incredible account of this adventure. I guess you could call it an adventure. I'm not sure the disciples would have called it an adventure uh, as they were going through it. Uh, But this amazing story that we have of the disciples encountering what was actually quite a challenging time uh, with Jesus that I believe uh, we can really learn from. And so I'd love to pray for us, perhaps as you're finding that uh, in your Bibles together, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. But let me pray that our hearts would be open to everything that God wants to say to us this morning. I realize that as we come together into these kinds of times, obviously my voice is the voice that you hear with your ears. But I trust that his voice will be the voice that you hear with your heart and with your spirit as we connect into this time with him. And so, Father, we thank you that you are here to disciple us in your ways that we are your disciples and this is your word and your word to us. And so, God, I pray that you would open our ears, that you would open our spiritual ears and our spiritual hearts, that we would together be able to hear what it is that you are saying to us, how you want to encourage us and challenge us and move us, God, into the abundant life that you have said is now possible for us in Christ. And so, Lord, may these words come to life for us as we read them together now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35. It is on the screen, but if you have it in your Bibles, you can follow along. Uh, says this, "...that day when evening came, he said to his disciples," it's Jesus speaking, "...let us go over to the other side." Quite a simple statement and request uh, to make. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care? If we drown, you know, I I heard it um, sort of explained to me like this before. If you're on an airplane, I'm not sure if there's anyone here that that has a challenge when you're flying. But if you're on an airplane and maybe you hit some turbulence and there's someone on the plane and you see them start to panic, you know, you can sort of put that down to, well, maybe they're just a person who struggles with flying. But when you hit a storm and you suddenly see the cabin crew and the captain start to panic, now you know you've got something to worry about. And so here we've got these people in the boat with Jesus. These are seasoned fishermen. They spend their life on this sea in boats. And they are panicking. That gives you an insight into the level of the problem that they were now facing. But verse... 39, we see Jesus deals with it. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you have, do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I think that question that they are left with at the end of this story is perhaps the most important question that any of us could ever grapple with, could ever ask of ourselves. Who is this Jesus that even the wind and the waves obey? obey him. And just to remind you at this point in the gospel of Mark, Jesus has already done some quite remarkable things. This isn't his first miracle. He's already proved that there's something special, something very special about who he is. There have been multiple obvious occasions of spiritual deliverance that he has performed for people. He's healed many people. He's healed. Whole villages of every illness that was prevalent in the village at that time. They've experienced the impact and the authority of his teaching. They've witnessed his character intensely over the period of time that they have now been with him. And yet still we see for a long time the disciples did not really know who he was. They had not really understood who he was. And I realized it takes time and shared experiences to really get to know someone. You can get to know someone, but to really get to know someone, it takes time and shared experiences. And in this account, they share some real experiences together. And there are three aspects, if you like, of who Jesus is that are both tested And revealed to the disciples in this account. We see that Jesus' wisdom is tested as a leader. Was it a good idea to cross the sea at that time in the day? At that time in the year? Knowing that these kinds of storms can blow in quite quickly in that area. Geographically with the mountains that surround this body of water. Jesus' compassion is tested. Does he really care for the people that he's leading? And then Jesus' power and his authority is tested and revealed. And so over the next three weeks in this little mini-series that we're going to do, we're going to look at these three aspects of of who Jesus is. We're going to look at the wisdom of Jesus and why it's so important to follow him when he leads us, even perhaps when we don't understand That leadership from him. Secondly, we're going to look at what it's like to have our faith in Jesus tested. Not just that he existed. Although perhaps if you're here for the first time and you're thinking about God, maybe you're still at that point and you're wondering, did he really exist? What was he really like? But even for us who've been Christians perhaps for a long period of time, what is it like to have this truth of Jesus tested? Does he really care for me? Personally, I get that he loves the world and he loves the church, but does he love Jason? Does he love you? Can you say he loves me? And then, lastly, we're going to look at the significance of his authority and power, even for us today. And so, let's look briefly at this idea of Jesus as the wise leader, Jesus as the man to follow. And this statement, this instruction that he gives to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. What a simple thing for him to say. I'm not sure if it's like this with you, but I know that often in my relationship with God, Jesus has made some very simple requests of me. And yet, as I've tried to live them out, I've discovered that they were far more challenging than I perhaps initially understood. And so I want to share with you, I went through my journals over the course of this week. And I sort of pulled out some of the simple things that Jesus said to me, at least simple at face value. And yet, they actually caused a real measure of heart, faith challenge for me to live them out. And you will have your own journal of your own challenges and stories. But these are some of mine. So I remember one of the first simple things that G- Jesus said to me was Jason, I want you to leave architecture and study to be a pastor. And, and I think at that time, I just won this award to become uh, the person most likely to succeed as an architect in South Africa. So that was quite a special thing. I was working at this firm. I had the senior partner who was giving me projects. He wanted to give me a job. And I remember going to sit down with him in his office and saying, I'm leaving architecture. I'm going to study to be a pastor. And he said, are you mad? <laughs> what are you doing? And there were many people who said to me, Are you mad? What are you doing? This simple instruction and yet intensely challenging to follow. I remember something else that Jesus said to me as I was studying to be a pastor Jason, when they hurt you, I want you to love them because they're my church. I've got it written in my Bible. Jason, I want you to love them when they hurt you because they're my church. What a simple thing to say. What a challenging thing to live out. And if you've been hurt by someone in the church and known how challenging that can be to walk with you. Jason, again, as I was studying, don't forget, you as a pastor also need to tithe to demonstrate your trust And set an example for those you lead. That was challenging when I was studying and working and married all at the same time. And thinking, okay God, how is this going to work? And yet God took me on a journey of faith and trust. There's another one that comes up in a moment about that. Jason, I do want you to plant this church um, in South Africa that i didn 't know if I was really meant to do it, and I kind of felt like my heart wasn 't in it and God said, "Jason, I do want you to do it. What a simple thing! years of challenge that followed after choosing to be obedient, and yet what a blessing I remember a time and Nikki and I were reflecting on this when when Jesus essentially said to us, "I want you to give this." to this person, and this to that person. And it essentially amounted to our whole salary for the month. And I remember thinking, God, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And, and if I'm honest with you, we sort of took the... We took a... We took a letter of the law, get it right, but I know I probably actually failed this one a little bit where, you know, your salary can come in a bit before the end of the month. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll give the, the first half to the person then and we'll give the second half to the person still in the month, but after the next salary comes in. And so but that was a learning process for us and, and God was faithful to us and, and obviously it was a, a blessing to those people. But again, a simple request, but a challenge to live out Jason, when I tell you to fast, I want you to fast. Again, what a simple thing to say. And yet, if you love food, (laughs) a real challenge. Jason, I want you to take your family to England. Cross over to the other side. Jason, I want you to pray for these people and not stop till there's breakthrough. Jason, I want you to challenge that person personally, even though they're a friend. Jason, these TV series that you want to watch, they're not good for you. I don't want you to watch those, (laughs) but they look so exciting. (laughs) But they're not for you. Maybe they're for others, but they're not for you. Jason, come and walk with me. Those are some of the things that that God has said to me over the last number of years that have been so simple and yet at the same time so soul-searching and challenging. In our society today, if we were to reflect on what constitutes wise thinking, what constitutes wise leadership and wise instruction, it might look something like this. Decisions that help to keep us from harm's way, out of danger. Decisions that help to minimize our risk and maximize our wealth and opportunities for gain. To avoid conflict. To maintain a sense of peace and well-being. And that's great. And in fact, wherever possible, we do want wisdom like that. And much of the wisdom in Proverbs leads us to that kind of thinking. We want to avoid unnecessary risk. And as the scripture says, as far as it depends upon us to live at peace with all people. However, sometimes the wisdom of God leads us into storms, it leads us into conflict, leads us into challenge and difficulty just as it did for the disciples as they hopped in the boat to take Jesus to the other side. And often it's in those times that we can be tempted to question and test the wisdom of God for our lives. And I found, and, and maybe the phrase looks something slightly different for you in your own mind, but for me, this is often The phrase that kicks back against God when he brings these words of instruction to me. Is it really necessary? Or something like that. Any of you sometimes think that when God says something to you, read it in the Bible. Is that really necessary? Can't we just do it a different way? You know what? Can't we do it my way? because I feel like I've got a good plan on how to do this. You know, what we'll do is we'll just give these people a little bit every month until we've, you know, leveled it up to the amount that we want to give. Or, you know, drop a meal a day, you know, when God says to fast or whatever it looks like for you. You know, is it really necessary to be fully obedient to God in the things that he says? And this scripture has has helped me to deal with, with my flesh response to the wisdom teaching from Jesus into my life. It's Colossians chapter 2, and it's Paul speaking. He says this, My goal is that they, that's us, the church, may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they, we, may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they, we, may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know, when God speaks his wisdom and instruction into our lives, you can be sure you will come across some fine-sounding arguments that would seek to undermine it, to challenge it, to knock you off course from where God would want you to go. And it all comes back actually to this question. Who is he anyway? Who is Jesus? If he's just a guy like you and me that had some good things to say, then by all means, take the bits you like and dump the bits you don't. You know, it's a bit like watching a a cooking program on the telly. You're watching Jamie Oliver, and he's cooking something that looks delicious, but you're allergic to something in the list. And so you think, I'm going to make that, but I'm going to make it to his recipe. I'm going to put my own Jason spin on it. You know, I'm going to drop out some of those healthy things and I'm going to add some cream, you know, just to give it a bit of extra flavor and taste. And You put your own spin on it or, you know, you're gardening and someone says you can't plant that in your garden. It's the wrong climate for it. And you think, well, you know what? This is my garden and I'm going to choose what I plant in there and I'm going to do it my way. But, I'll, you know, I'll glean what I can. If Jesus is just a guy had some good things to say you can treat him like that but if he is who the bible says he is if he is who he claimed to be the king of all creation the one who spoke the world into being the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found the one who as he says has the authority to determine every person's eternal destiny, then do you really want to not listen to him? Where is the greater risk? When God says something in his word, is the right response from us, is that really necessary? Perhaps a better response from us is God I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust that your ways are higher than my ways. And you know stuff I don't. (laughs) And I guess if you were to put a phrase to my Christian walk, it would go something like, I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. That you do. Says this in Mark chapter 8. A little bit later on. Jesus speaking. Says he called the crowd to him. Along with his disciples. And he said. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Must deny themselves. Take up their cross. And follow me. Whoever wants to save their life. Will lose it. You want to put your own spin on that recipe. You want to do it your way. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, as a young Christian, I looked at this verse and, and I sort of thought it meant something along these lines. Give up the stuff you love, which as a teenager and a young adult meant sport, computer games, and the odd wild party, okay? And do Christian things instead, which I assumed would be boring, okay? That's sort of the way that I engaged with that passage. I've come to see it very differently now. It's actually God wants us to have life and have it abundantly with him. And I now see it... In these terms, Jason, when you deny your own reasoning and elevate God's way of thinking, when your way of thinking is in contrast with my way of thinking, and you say, I'm going to deny myself, my own thoughts, my own desires, my own wants, and I'm going to put God's ways above my ways, we get to enter into the glory. Of the kingdom of God. And who doesn't want to go through that door? And that may mean. You and I. Don't perhaps have. Some of the things. That other people in the world. Might have. But you know what it does mean. It means that we get to have. The richest of lives. With Jesus. The creator of the world. And not just now. But forever. I read this, uh, this quote on Twitter from Tim Keller. Not sure how many of you know Tim Keller, but he says this, the gospel is an exclusive truth, but it's the most inclusive, exclusive truth in the world. I think, what is he saying? He's saying this, Jesus makes an exclusive claim. He says, I am the door. Yeah. It's my way or it's no way. (laughs) It's through me or you don't get in. I am the door. You give up your life and follow me and you get to have it all. Or you deny me and you follow your own way and it will all be lost for you. And you think, wow, that is a very narrow Exclusive claim. But he says, I make that invitation to every person on the planet. Everyone is invited. It's completely inclusive of race, of gender, of class, education level. Jesus says to everyone, if you will follow me, you can have life. If you will give up your life and follow me, I will give you mine. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.